Welcome back, Bearcats. This is going to be episode eight of the McKendry Culture Podcast. This is your host, CC. Joining me today as my co-host is going to be my roommate. Yeah, this is uh, Nico again. Hi, this is Nico again. Yeah, um, good to be back. Excited for today's conversation. Definitely. All right. Today we have a special guest on today. It's going to be my communications teacher. I'll let him introduce himself. Hey, I'm Dr. Rich Murphy. I've been teaching at McKendry for about seven years, teach classes in social media, public relations, and yeah, excited to be here. So as well as being a teacher here, you also help run the McKendry Media, mm-hmm. which includes the review and the podcast. Um, and then what classes specifically do you teach here? Oh, I teach a bunch. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how much you know about communication as a, as a major, but it's pretty broad. We run everywhere from political, interpersonal, public relations. We do all sorts of uh, things. And so we're only two people, me and Dr. Trask. And so... Um, so we try to cover a bunch. So my main courses are public relations. I teach the social media class, as I said. Um, next semester, I'm teaching a crisis and communication class. So that's my favorite. I love talking about, uh, um, yeah, if we get a chance to talk about what happened in Houston. I don't know if you guys pay attention, yeah. but I'd love to, to chat about that as well. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's my focus um, is mostly public relations. Yeah. Got it. All right. Well, we brought Dr. Murphy on today to discuss a little about about social media. So first, um, could you tell us how you got started in social media or if there was a time where you realized like, oh, this is becoming a thing and I want to be a part of it or how it just kind of all started for you? Yeah. So I was, um, 2005 was when I started my master's program. I was right around when Facebook was starting to grow. Um, we had MySpace. That was the big one at the time, MySpace. Um, and then of course you could do blogs, but you had to, you had to have uh, some, some knowledge, right? You need to know a little bit about, um, you, you need to know something about computer programming and that. Um, but yeah, what, what actually got me interested, I was actually opposed to it. I really was. I thought it was narcissistic. I thought, <laughs> who wants to share all their stuff online? Like, I just, I, f- I felt really bad about it. Um, and then I, so I taught a year and my first year in mas- my master's program. And then we had a second group of students come in, uh, master's students. And this was when Facebook sort of exploded. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, ex- at that time, it was just college students. But, uh, uh, but the, a big group, almost everyone had a Facebook account. And one of the students, who was, he was going to be a teacher, so he was a GTA, um, his profile picture was him holding two big beers, like two <laughs> big pints of beer. Um, and, of course, the administration was really upset. There was consideration. They were thinking about letting him go. Like, it, they were really upset. And I said, do we know that this is a bad thing? Like, are students upset about, like, does this yeah. really affect the credibility? And they said, no. I, well, they said yes. And I'm like, well, how do we know? Like, we don't have yeah. any support, no research. No one's looked at this. And they said, well, you should look at it. And so uh, my colleague, Dr. Mazur, who's now at the University of Tennessee, we, we said, let's do it. And so we did some, some early work. It was really the first communication or one of the first communication um, studies that looked at education and social media. Um, and what we found was that students wanted it, that they wanted stu- <laughs> they wanted their professors to, I don't know about the beer thing, again, I, we couldn't, but they wanted to have professors on social media that was sharing, that were um, self-disclosing. They thought that that would be a, essentially that's what they wanted. Yeah. Um, I still was resistant. I still didn't have one. Um, actually, I used my email address to create a, uh, an experimental profile, <laughs> so I still didn't have my own. Um, but then I got in my PhD program, and I said, all right, I've, I've got to... I've got to hop on, and so then I just started hopping on. And um, as you teach public relations, it's just you have to know it, right? You have yeah. to understand because that's where people were going. So, so yeah, that's my sort of foray into how you got started. Social and media, yeah. Got it. All right. Well, where do you see social media taking us um, within? I'd say the next ten years. Do you? We were talking a lot about like um how steve jobs coming out with like almost virtual mark world zuckerberg. or mark zuckerberg <laughs> oh my gosh my bad and then we we're also discussing like um like what what are those things called what we we're talking about uh yeah basically the new implementation how they want to move toward like the metaverse and just have mm-hmm. people like even more immersed into it um but one question i would have since you said like you've been working with facebook all the way back from like 2005 <laughs> when it first started true mm-hmm. um 
What kind of transitions have you seen in kind of the organics of the business model to where I feel like early on it was very centered on um, connection between people and small networks of everyone that you knew. Mm -hmm. And now it is almost becoming more like a clickbaity news feed, very divisive, Mm -hmm. very triggering. Um, is that something that you've realized over the course? Has that changed a lot from the early days? Or Well, I joke, one of the things that happened when we published that study, we got lots of, uh, Joe in particular got a lot. He was a lead author, um, but I had uh, quite a few as well. But uh, um, lots of people interviewing us saying, like, tell us, like, how is it changing? Mm-hmm. I was like, it's, in fact, our study is now irrelevant because yeah. at the time you had to have a college address. Mm-hmm. Because it was just for college students. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg I said, didn't even know that. Like, yeah. Yes, you have to have a college address. Um, uh, and uh, and then the other thing, I, and I thought this is where you're going. They, You said we were working with Facebook. They zero support. Uh-huh. Like, we, yeah. we sent them an email. We even said, hey, can we create some some fake profiles to run experiment? And they said, absolutely not. <laughs> um, so they wouldn't help us. They wouldn't even help us in yeah. that end. So then when Facebook was first starting, was there a lot of marketing like there is now on there? Or no. There was none of that. It was only your friends connecting. and. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it wasn't even like the stream was something relatively like, new. Uh, yeah. It was mostly you would go to your friends. Um, I even have an activity that I uh, that I had to cut out this ex- example because like, we used to, you would go on their board, right? And so you'd go to their profile and you would post stuff, and that's how you communicated. And so and sometimes I get alerts like, "Hey, remember this? Uh, <laughs> Ten years ago, you posted this on like why would I post board? that on someone's <laughs> wall, right?" So that's what the models change, right? It was sort of like sort of individual like this is where you um this is this is where you can put out your your image or your stuff and now it's stream everything is about the the feed and so and that's economical right it's people right now we have an algorithm that it's and it's really difficult to just see what people are posting Um, i'm sure you guys have experiences now where i have friends really close friends and it was veterans day and like this is the first time i've seen their post in, in probably four or five years. I'm like, oh, they're still alive. Good. And I looked, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, they've been posting regularly. Why don't I see this stuff um, on their posts? And so that's something as well. The algorithm is just really sort of kept us from seeing what other people are. Yeah, definitely yeah. Like getting more and more skewed as yeah. they take it more to a marketing aspect. It tends to focus definitely more on like viral things and yeah. news aspects and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, do you think that that switch in the business model which, I mean, I would say early on, Facebook obviously blew up, you know, mm-hmm. to see a business grow like that in three, four, five years sure. is, is insane. Um, do you think maybe one of the reasons Facebook maybe doesn't have as much enthusiasm in the youth nowadays has to do with that? Or do you think maybe people just crave the nuance of something new? And I don't know if you can go back to maybe seeing MySpace slowly fade out and seeing the growth of Facebook. Now Facebook fading out with people under 20, under 30. And um, Instagram and now the rise as well. Of TikTok is, and yeah, Instagram's fading as well. Do you think it's the loss of that organic nature? Because I feel like that's one of the things that really brings people to TikTok is like anyone becomes viral, sure. whereas it's not as like structured where yeah. it's just marketing and ads yeah. and just the famous people. But I don't know. I, I, was, I was talking to my students about TikTok. Um, TikTok's amazing at how well they know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's scary. <laughs> I mean, there's times where I'm like, I'll get on. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to look at a few videos for like five minutes. 20 minutes in I'm like oh my gosh and then I try to get out and you back out and it's like wait here's another video and you're like oh well, what's that I'm like no God, I gotta get out of it so yeah. so I don't know I think that they've if in fact I think it's almost worse TikTok is they've done a really good job of saying here's all your data and here's all the, re- the stuff that we know about these videos um, and so they do that um, and so to answer your question though is like the reason why I think they're going away with it is just the people that are on it um, ultimately, when, when we look at our social media, who are, where are our friends at? Where's our mm-hmm. groups at? And so if you had a big group on Facebook, you would probably just go on there, right? Um, because I remember, you're right, when, when Facebook started fading, um, the things that I heard from the younger people were, well, it's too extra, right? There's too much stuff mm-hmm. on, a, on your MySpace, right? The Facebook's simpler and easier. Um, now it's, well, now I want to see video, and now I don't want to see all the ads. <laughs> what you really don't want to see is... <clears throat> My grandma's on Facebook. Yeah. I don't want to hang out on the place where my grandma's at. So yeah. that's my opinion. And maybe it's some of the other stuff. Uh, but, a boy, again, TikTok 
they collect so much information about it. So I no, really doubt TikTok that. is crazy. They know, yeah. you know, what month I'm born, what breed of dog I have, right. like random stuff that's yeah. it, like honestly kind of terrifying, you know. <laughs> but we're also talking, have you heard of NFTs? Yes. So we're talking a lot about NFTs and how, you know, the idea is super, well, I guess maybe you want to explain what NFTs are first for the listeners. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a pretty big buzzword that's been going around. I don't mm-hmm. know if you could maybe do, uh, you know, add on to what my understanding of it is. But basically, it's a way to like tokenize uh, digital assets in the in the digital world. So you might have a, a GIF or a PDF or a picture. Um and, you know, anyone can have a copy of that picture, but there's a certain code behind the one that you might have that is a way to authenticate it and know that it's one of an, a few original ones. And basically, you can take this and show this off in some in your gallery that's maybe on your website or if you have an avatar, maybe you can have an outfit that's an NFT or and different things like this. And basically, the way I've interpreted this in more of like, an economic and social aspect is it's kind of like the privatization and like capitalization of the digital space. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like, what do you think? Do you think that is detrimental? Do you think they're just taking another way to make money off people? Or do you think this is actually a new emerging market that is exciting, that is going to allow for economic growth and opportunities rather than just exploitation from people like Mark Zuckerberg or whoever yeah. else is running this. Yeah. That, that, well, one, that's, I think that's a good explanation of NFTs. I was worried you're going to explain it. I'm like, boy, I, it's, I don't have an economics uh, degree. And so I'll be careful. No, but I see so much potential, okay. um, but I see the fear as well. Right. And so the potential is imagine you're a starving artist, mm-hmm. right. And you put together a, a song, um, right now, if you do that, only one person's really going to make money, and that's the recording company that takes yeah. it, right? Yeah. And then they can sell to Spotify. Your chances of making money are probably not very, very good. Um, imagine if you have, if you turn that into an NFT, right? And then you can buy one one hundredth of my song. Mm-hmm. Now you own it, um, and you can sell. I'm, there's some pride in that, yeah. and, and I can make money. And if that song blows up, then you've made money right and so you believing in that artist to me i love like i just every time i hear especially musicians talk about it i'm literally i'm getting goosebumps now right (laughs) the idea that like if i see a musician i'm like i love them they're gonna be big i can invest in them Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be much i don't have to have like billions of dollars to to say all right i'm gonna produce your song i need to say here's however 100 bucks and that if it if they blow up the way you think it is then that 100 bucks can be worth a lot more if you decide to sell it. Um, yeah. And so in some ways, I get excited about it. The other part, though, and I think where you were leading Yeah, we to, haven't right, really talked about that part of it. That part's interesting yeah. to hear as well. We more talked about, yeah, the other side of it. Yeah. So you can go keep going. No, yeah, the other side of it is that, that who's, so for example, who's going to control the code, mm-hmm. right? And is, if, if it's just Facebook who owns all the NFTs and mm-hmm. they make, you know, a percentage of whatever you make from it, then... Yeah. Yeah, then the rich get richer. Um, yeah. But, but and much like any innovation, uh, and this is where I, this is where I really I feel like my research and my interest is is just mm-hmm. how innovations are accepted. And a lot of times they people reject them because they're like, well, this is bad. And then some people over accept them. They're like, this is going to save the world. Yeah. And yeah. NFTs are so every everyone I hear, they're so far either on one end or the other. Like, and I think there's probably going to be a lot of good stuff. Um, but I do worry about the, yeah, the, the, who, who gets to control the code, who creates the code. And then, um, you know, we're seeing, for example, with the, uh, Bitcoin, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's really not, example. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some issues surrounding that as well. But yeah. Um, I think that is a good perspective. I haven't thought about the fact that the NFTs can really take the middleman out of it, which, yeah. you know, pre digital era, you need a publisher, you need a mm-hmm. record label. You need an art manager. You need all these art dealers. You need these people to really get you through the door. Right. Whereas now we see people with, I mean, we see artists blowing up on TikTok and just the the spread of viral video, the spread of information on these social media sites and just mm-hmm. on the internet has definitely created a whole new world. So I, I would think NFTs kind of make sense at this point mm-hmm. if they're applied in the way in which you're describing, which I right. think would be the best way to use them. Yeah, I think it could definitely be overly abused to a certain extent, but yeah. 
I don't know. And, and you need, we need to approach it with ethics. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we didn't do that when social media first came out. And first, when social media came out, it's like, hey, we can share some stuff. And I think it was, um, I think the adults, the boomers, and I'm picking on boomers, right? but I think they were like, oh, that's cute. Look what the kids are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, not thinking about the future and like, oh my gosh, like, what if, you can what if Russians get on, on here and yeah. start creating fake content and influencing elections? No one would have. No one was talking about that yeah. when I was when I was sharing my, you know, my pictures on mm-hmm. on MySpace. I wasn't thinking, wow, someone could steal my identity and do all this stuff. So yeah, that actually leads me to another point that I wanted to ask you about, which was um. So I guess in the past couple of years, big events that I've seen occur on social medias and the ones that come to mind are like Facebook and Twitter. But I think Twitter was the one, the first one to do it, but was um, they had banned Donald Trump mm-hmm. on their platform. And I think other platforms followed then since um, other figures as well have been banned off the platform. And one argument that I've heard made is, OK, like you said, early in the days, it was kind of like, look what the kids are doing. This is a private company. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. Now it's to the point where more people are getting their information off Twitter than are getting their information off CNN. More mm-hmm. people are getting it than they are from newspapers. And uh, I would almost see it as like something that the public, it should be seen as a public service and it, mm-hmm. it should be seen as a freedom of information and, and freedom of speech. So just kind of going to that aspect of censorship on social media platforms, what is your opinion on them having that much control on something that has that much influence over so many people? I, I, yes. <laughs> I, I really don't know the answer to that. I think it's a good question. Um, and here's why I struggle with it, because mm-hmm. we'll just you, you brought up Trump, so we'll use him as an example, mm-hmm. right? I mean, his, his whole platform was don't trust the media. Yeah. And so it's a wonderful platform because guess what? If he does something bad, well, remember I told you don't trust the media, yeah. right? And so it's a wonderful platform because you can't lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think the same thing with Twitter, right? We're like, all right, ban him. And, and all that did was reinforce his followers, yeah. right? It's just like, oh, more evidence that, that no one's listening, right? Whereas sometimes I'm like, if you just look, and sorry if I'm, I'll be a little biased here, but if you just look at his posts, you can kind of roll your eyes and be mm-hmm. like, it's just another another post. Yeah. So, um, um, so yeah, so I, sometimes the censorship actually does more damage than than the actual like just letting it go. Yeah, and also I feel like what for me personally, it's more almost like do I trust Twitter? Not that I am in support of Donald Trump being on Twitter or not, but do I trust <laughs> Twitter and Jack Dorsey to be the arbiters of truth? Right. Do I trust them to be in control of the information? that is able to reach me or not when it is the biggest platform in the way that most people do get their information. Yeah, and and again, who's to, like, science, for example, right? I mean, this the, the COVID vaccines, right? I mean, mm. this is, we've known this for a year or forever. Mm. I mean, science is imperfect. So when you can't say, like, no, it's the COVID, anyone that says something bad about the vaccine gets a little now, like, oh, pay attention to what's yeah. there. And you're like, well, which one's true, right? And so, again, it's not helping in, in public opinion now legal i think they have to right like if you yeah. post something that's that's going to cause damage um and that's that's not what i study i don't study yeah. legal i don't study like what should we actually mm-hmm. do but i study public opinion and i know that censorship often has an opposite effect whenever you take away someone's voice it makes their voice powerful it's yeah. a weird paradox but whenever you say you can't talk everyone goes wait why can't he talk, right? And then they're like, what, what is he saying? Yeah. Um, so as soon as he got banned, people are like, well, where is he going to put his messages? And everyone's now mm-hmm. looking for, for his voice. It makes him more powerful. Um, so, yeah, that's what I worry. But, again, you can't go unregulated. Mm. You can't just let anyone post because, again, fake profiles. Let's spread out. Let's make it look like something's a bigger issue than it really is. So I wish I had the answer <laughs> if I did. Um, sadly, I probably wouldn't be working here. Right? I'd be uh, in Washington fixing everything. But uh, yeah. so, so smarter so, people than me need to fix that. Uh, you go back to saying, uh, like you said, oh, if you look at Trump's feed, you know, it's a lot of things you could roll your eyes at. And mm-hmm. um, that goes to one of my other points that I wanted to bring up, which is uh, we look at the algorithm and we look at the way social media has progressed. And it's pretty obvious through accounts of the social media companies themselves and anyone anecdotally that's on one of these websites. But they're very hyper-focused on engagement, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times that drives it to emphasize material that 
triggers someone on like a fight or flight response, which is maybe like fear or anxiety. And these are the things that people make people look at this longer. Um, And they're often states in which we're not at our best when we're scared and when we're angry and upset. Um, So do you think that uh, maybe what what is something that social media's companies could do better and also uh, what is your opinion on how bad has it gotten? Do you think that they're per- doing this on purpose? Uh, is it really detrimental, divisive, as I would think that it is? Yeah, it is. I, I totally agree with an algorithm to, to build on it even more. I mean, they, mm. they, they know this, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah, and this is negative. We're going to give it more clout. It's going to mm-hmm. give it more power. Um, and that's sad. I mean, yeah. you think about it, right? Like that's because – and then we add that to, I think, humans over the last 30, 40 – 50 years um we've seen more and more people want to be famous for like just be famous like not to be good at what they do but just to be famous and so if you're one of those folks and yeah i'm not judging lots of people right american idol Mm -hmm. you guys remember when that show came out lots of people did they didn't care if they were bad singers they just wanted to be on tv right and now it's like i don't care if i have good content i just want to get a bunch of followers i Mm -hmm. just want to be an influencer um, and so what's what's in it from where, where's their motivation to say, let me provide something that maybe you guys are going to be bored with, but it's something that you need to know. Mm-hmm. There's no market for that. Right. <laughs> I mean, if there was, then uh, then, you know, college would be way more popular and, and students wouldn't skip class. And, then, you know, like they would go to these things because they know it's important. Um, and so, yeah. So uh, I, I went a long way around your question. Right. But I think it's human nature. Yeah. Right. That we're attracted to the scary stuff, the fear stuff. And, and that's the reason why um, they know this. And we've seen lots of documentaries. Um, I don't know if you can you want to put those in your show notes or not. But lots of movies that have sort of highlighted exactly. They know this. And so they're they're building on it. So do you think as it's just gotten larger, um, the algorithm hasn't really just been able to control what is going viral because like one one thing that i think about is early on i feel like a lot of these social media sites seem to have almost like a honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. where it is idyllic it is communal it is small it is the connection that people are looking for on the sites um i think of like facebook with colleges i think of Mm -hmm. um twitter with like the arab spring you know Mm -hmm. being very influential in that um do you think that these social media sites have now almost lost their magic? And do you see them fading out uh, with something else replacing them soon? Because like you said, I do think there's a big void in that space where people want that magic that originally brought these sites to fruition. Right. Um, and I, growing up, I always heard, you know, social medias don't last more than eight years or whatever. That was mm-hmm. the, the tale. And now we see, you know, there's three main names that look like they're never they're too big to fail. So right. do you yeah. think they will fade out or? No, I don't. I don't think Facebook will. I think Mark Zuckerberg is say what you want about him. He, mm-hmm. he gets it. We were <laughs> yeah, talking yeah. earlier about the metaverse, right? And mm-hmm. I think there's he's just he's on it until we make it economically not beneficial mm-hmm. to go negative. And, until we say like no, like fix the algorithm so mm-hmm. it doesn't do that. Uh, but when we do that, then the popularity of it will, will diminish, right? And people won't uh, want to go there. Um, it's much like in negative political advertising. Right? Mm-hmm. We say every every time I talk, I lived in uh, northeast Nebraska, so we were right on the Iowa border. Yeah. And so primary time, like you couldn't. There was not a commercial that wasn't political. So you think? And, uh, sorry to interrupt, but mm, <coughs> what I'm getting from that, you think that it's not that um, the. Because I would, I would right. think that people are craving this right. and that no one's meeting the need. But you're arguing, at least from my interpretation, that people don't even want the, the magical, like friendly communal right. experience that underneath everything they actually crave the you know, angry interaction or the uh, dramatic interaction. Is that, right. is that what you're saying, that well, human nature tends to strive towards that even I though? I think so. Yeah, that's where I was going. I, I said I think people say <coughs> that they don't want mm-hmm. it. Right. And much like they'll say, oh, like the look you lose when you drive by a crash yeah. or the people I don't want negative advertising. And yet they remember <laughs> the the, yeah. they, the bad accidents they do. And so it's sort of we're fighting against human nature. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think we can win that. And again, I, could, I would love to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to my students about this. I said, what if we did have a social media that was positive, that that just reversed? They said, screw it. We're reversing the algorithm. Mm-hmm. People that share happy things, people that share like pictures of kids and puppies uh, will move to the top. People that share 
um, hateful or, or angry or fearful stuff will move to the bottom. Um, I, I, I'm biased if, if they're educational, right? If they have this sort of very um, intellectual appeal, let's move that to the top. Um, I would love to see that. I don't know if anyone would get on there. <laughs> LinkedIn is the closest thing we have to it, and um, I don't see anyone excited to, to hop on LinkedIn, for example. <laughs> so so um, you brought up like what happened in Houston um, mm. at the Travis Scott concert yeah. up, and you said that you like or that you're going to teach a class that's about communication in mm-hmm. um, what what crisis, is it? crisis? In crisis? crisis yeah. yeah so and conflict as well but, yeah. in conflict mm-hmm. in crisis so I mean first condolences to everyone's lives that were lost sure. there because super unfortunate mm-hmm. um, but do you think just by simple communication techniques there could have been something different that was done. Or, I mean, I'm sure you watched his apology video. Sure. I, I'm sure you could give us your own mm-hmm. communication take on that as well. Yeah, yeah well, the, so the first question, do I think something could have been, I mean, always, right? Yeah. And you'll just ask, they'll come out and they'll say, here's what we did wrong. That's, it happens in every crisis. Hindsight's 2020. Right? Absolutely. I mean. When they, but I'll tell you, my students were talking about it today, and I said, wow, this sounds a lot like Woodstock in 99. I'm like, yeah, lots of people pushing the walls in security said screw it we're done like i'm not going to risk my life for minimum wage mm-hmm. i'm out of here yeah um and and so and then people got angry the musicians sort of fanned the flames they didn't realize they were doing it they were just building their brand yeah. um so so i'm like this wasn't new to me oh yeah um, this stuff has happened um the difference is social media and how it's covered um, yeah there wasn't like we had flip phones in, in 99 <laughs> right and so i don't think anyone was uh, the people had to hold big cameras, right? So we didn't capture all the stuff that was happening. Um, but there were bad things happening. I think the difference here is that, like, we can almost chronologically follow the entire night. Yeah. Um, here's what happened at the beginning. Here's, you know, when the walls started caving in. Here's when people started crying. Here's when the first person died. Right? We can record that, which is scary. But it's exciting, too, right? So now we can actually look back and say, here's specifically what we can do to fix it. So yeah, I think that, and then the apology, apology over social media. This is this is a new one too, and I think we're gonna. Sp- I'm gonna have to do a little more research on this. Um, I will tell you what I'm hearing, and again, my students talked about it a little bit, and it's it's repetitive. Some people said it wasn't good. He needed to think about it. He needed to have like a craft, well crafted message. Um, he didn't seem prepared, right? Other people said no. That's what I appreciated. That, um, and that's what I actually I watched it and I said yeah this guy I bet you he couldn't sleep he's freaking out flips up his phone and and records this this apology so it seems sincere to me um, and so some people loved it some people said no it needs to be more prepared and if he would have been more prepared people would have said it's over prepared and it wasn't real and so and so in that way maybe it isn't I question if it's I don't think it's, I don't understand why people are blaming him for the issue it's it's weird um, yeah. because like this is concerts like why not the people well that i were mean storming the place why i don't know not? if you know much about his type of culture or anything but mm-hmm. he promotes a very like like he had a concert and he told everyone nobody's partying in their seats tonight everyone come to general admission like f mm-hmm. the security i don't care about the limit on the floor everyone get down here right. and let's mosh together mm-hmm. type of thing just completely bypass he's been arrested like four or five times for the same thing and now this time it led to lives being lost because of it so i mean i feel sympathy for him but at the same time he's promoting this culture of let's mosh and party and rage and try to get to the front and stuff that's honestly very unsafe and putting unsafe numbers into an area and stuff so i think that's why i would argue the other part of i can see why people are blaming him and stuff because over time and time again he's promoted this culture promoted people you know, being crazy and almost too much at his uh, shows, telling people to jump off of balconies and stuff at mm-hmm. his shows. So that's I think that's why a lot of people are blaming him. And then on top of it, a lot of people are claiming he should have been seeing cop lights or something, which I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've been on a stage before, never that big, and it is hard to look out into the crowd and see stuff. Sure. So I don't know about that yeah. part of it. No, I agree with you, and, and, and that's a really good point. And just to counter that, I grew up in the 90s, so I had gangster rap. Yeah. You're telling me that they weren't doing similar things, mm-hmm. uh, grunge music. Um, I was telling students in the, 
believe it was the 90s, but uh, Guns N' Roses was playing in St. Louis. I don't know if you guys remember the story, but uh, Axl Rose, <coughs> the lead singer for Guns N' Roses, mm-hmm. he left, um, left the stage because he was upset. I can't remember the specifics, but the people the people rushed the stage. There was a riot <laughs> on stage because he left. And so I said, you know, we can assume, make, let's, all right, let's say he stops the concert and says, no, we got to fix this. Who's to say these people are riled up already? Yeah. Who's to say they're, they're not, not going to get after worse? Him, yeah. yeah, and so again, it's easy, and as as you said, hindsight's going to be twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to say like, here's something that we really could have done. I think yeah. probably the ultimate answer is we needed more security. Mm-hmm. We're struggling right now with employment. I'm sure they had the same problem McDonald's is having. How do we pay someone <laughs> yeah. the minimal minimal amount to do this really important job? Yeah, I, I was saying, though, maybe there should be a universal way or something to mm-hmm. get help or a button or yeah. a stand or, I don't know, on wristbands or someone you text and the number will go through. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, some way, because there was even a video released of a girl who got made it all the way to the front and standing on top of the railing telling the cameraman, we need help. People are actually mm-hmm. like, dying and the cameraman's just kind of get off, you know, I'm doing my mm-hmm. job. Like, so mm-hmm. maybe there should be some type of word or some type of, I, I don't know yeah. what needs to be set in place, but something to overall bring, like, if something's really happening, here's what you can do about it. Yeah, but to that point, and I think he was kind of alluding to this earlier, I feel like that would be more on the responsibility of the uh, festival organizers mm-hmm. and the people in charge of logistics and hiring. Like, Travis Scott isn't interviewing the security guard. He's not deciding how much yeah. he's getting paid. Um, so one question to that. So was the reception to this incident online surprising to you? Um, I feel like it was viscerally pretty negative towards mm-hmm. the artist, mm-hmm. um, where it's not something he purposely did. And it's probably also one of the most viral events I've seen in a while. Like, yeah. I've seen school shootings not get as much coverage as I've seen this right. get. So what, what was seeing that spread like to you on yeah. social media? Well, again, it didn't surprise me mm-hmm. at all because of the algorithm, right? Yeah. We know that this stuff is going to pop up, and then people are clicking on it. And if you have a strong opinion, guess what? That gets moved up to the top. So... And so, yeah, that part doesn't surprise me. Um, and, and we can talk, if you want to talk about the, the cancel culture, I know it's sort of cliche yeah, now. Yeah, we can talk but, about that yeah. too. <laughs> uh, but, but boy, I just, again, I think we're looking for someone to blame. And it's, I hate to, I, I find myself, I just, I'm not that old, but I find myself <laughs> like, this isn't new, right? This yeah. has happened. Um, it's dangerous to go out in public, especially in these big festivals. People get sick. And again, I'm not, and I'm with you, I, I feel bad and I hope that, this doesn't come across as insensitive, and I'm not just saying, "Well, it's life," but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but because yes, something needs to be done. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I, you're right, and I think this is where I think this is where you're going, right? That it, it sort of brought it up to a, a level that everyone's paying attention, and we're saying, "Wait, how do we fix this?" Yeah. Um, and, and so again, it's the the trending, and that's what makes this really interesting. Um, who was the? I should have came more prepared. The uh, the young girl that was murdered. Um, there was big social media coverage. Oh, and her uh, boyfriend Land, ran away. Yeah. yeah. What, what's her name? Oh, I, I know who you're talking yeah. about. I'm sorry. I should have. I should have researched that a little bit more. Like Brian something. Yeah. But again, yeah. lots of lots of women that get blew catnipped. Up. Yes, that that's catnipped. that is also another interesting. Brian Laundry and Gabby Petito. Gabby Petito. Yeah. No, that's an interesting one because, like you said. People get kidnapped every day. People right. get murdered every and it, day. It, it, yeah. And this, and she's not. She wasn't famous before this right. or anything. And to see that blow up, it kind of just shows the randomness. Of well, these I think the reason times. why is because there's so much video proof to mm-hmm. make a timeline for her as well. And time and time again, a lot of the cases, even from like uh, true crime that blow up, are the ones that have the most information or the least information. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that have a, where you can make a complete timeline, or the ones where. You only know they were here at five and murdered at nine. And um, I think it's really interesting because people like to know, like, you know, she was just doing this, 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 and this. So it can only be one of these two options or something really random. Um, But ones where there's not as much information, I feel like a lot of people are less interested because, you know, it's... You're kind of, you kind of, uh, you Just know, guessing. you yeah. know what happened according to the timeline. And that's what makes it so interesting is that you can kind of choose one side or not. Like he either did it or he didn't. And everyone was on one side or the other. So I think that's one of the reasons this case was so big mm-hmm. is because it was like either he did it or he didn't. And, yeah, and it's, I, th- I think it's also a good example of social media. I mean, obviously, sadly, she, she was found dead yeah. and everything, but I think it's a good, uh, 
a demonstration of the power social media can have mm-hmm. and the, the drive it can stir up in the in the masses to do something like right. everyone was looking for this girl right. and you know we've we've seen it used in other great causes before as well mm-hmm. um and so that kind of makes me question you were saying earlier how you think that social media is kind of like cursed almost in mm-hmm. a sense because of human nature mm-hmm. but um to me, that seems almost like a grim perspective because <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere and I don't right. think we're leaving screens anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and so as kids are growing up with screens and screen time is more prevalent, kids are getting social medias by the time they're a lot mm-hmm. younger than, like you said, your f- first time you had Facebook was you were doing research on it in college. Mm-hmm. I had it when I was 13 and I'm sure kids <laughs> younger than me are getting it even younger, or you know, mm-hmm. TikTok and whatnot even younger. Um, so moving forward as this progression, do you almost see it as like, oh, there's no way back. This is kind of like mm-hmm. a, uh, something we're going to have to deal with now. It's kind of cursed. It, it, it tends to focus on the bad parts of our human nature. Or, or if you were trying to be an optimist, where would your direction be as in maybe it being highlighting the good parts of it that have been useful in, in past and this is this is a wonderful question. I'm glad you asked this because mm-hmm. you're right. I think as I'm talking, I'm like, yeah, I hate social media. And sometimes I do. Here's where I here's my optimism. Every time I talk to students about being addicted to their phones, mm-hmm. I talk about the problems. For example, um, on college campuses, the interaction is, is lower than it used to mm-hmm. be. Right? It used to be, for example, my Com 100 class. The first day was awkward. By about this time, you come in. You know, I come in at uh, at 11 o'clock. Everyone's talking and everyone gets to know. But now I come in at 11 o'clock and people are still on their phones. Yeah. But when I talk to people about it, there's they're like, yep, I want to get off of it. Like, yeah. I don't want this. And, and what I'm seeing in students is, yep, I'm, it's important. It's there. I don't want to do this anymore. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm really I've, I'm wondering if there's a point where people are going to be like much like junk food. Right. Like yeah. it's always yeah. going to be there. But healthy people are going to say, I need to do something. I need to, to get myself out. Um, I read this book over the summer, Digital Minimalism. Oh um, it's such a good. It, it helped me a lot mm-hmm. uh, because what I found when I'm bored, get my phone out, I sit around and I flip through it. And he's like, his argument is, why do that? Right? Like, there's so many things we do. Mm-hmm. Cut it out. And I was like, well, my friends are there. Uh, and his argument is, well, you your friends are still there. Call them, <laughs> yeah. right? Or you know, go visit them or write them a letter. Um, it's going to mean so much more to them um, if you do this. And I think, like, you're right. If we start monitoring how much we use it, start thinking about what are the, like, is this really helping me? Mm-hmm. Or am I just doing this because my friends are doing it, right? Yeah. Am I on TikTok because I'm really enjoying it or because I feel like I need to? And once we start realizing, I think maybe TikTok's power is going to be its its demise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people are going to realize, everyone I talked to had the same reaction uh, that you did, Cece, that, yeah, it's really bad, right? And so, <laughs> yeah. and so the next step is, but at yeah, least they're aware of it. They're aware, yeah, they're aware of it. And so, hopefully, we have some programs to say, let's get off of it, and it's okay. You're going to survive. Yeah, if you're off I, of it. I agree. I think that we're going to get to a certain point where social media is more just a tool mm-hmm. instead of like what everyone does when they're bored. I mean, I hope we'll reach that point. Honestly, um, I think that it's still always going to be prevalent, and there's always going to be you know the people right. that are on it all the time and. There's always going to be something new, but I think that our generation is leaning towards getting off of it more and more the more people I talk to. Yeah, and I think another thing I would say, our generation is almost, it's almost like the guinea pig generation of technology yeah. when you think about it. I mean, uh, like you said, the first iPhone didn't come out till I, personally, I was in third or fourth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't growing up with iPads and whatnot. Um, the internet was invented, you know, my dad was alive. Mm-hmm. So we're really this first generation. And so I think it is interesting that you mention it like that, because from your perspective, it's almost like, it's almost like, oh yeah, that was like cigarettes back in the day. Or, really? you know, everyone's using it all the time, no problem. And then we start to become aware of the implications of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So who knows, maybe 30 years from now, people will be are you insane? Three hours of screen time for your toddler, what right. are you doing? Right. You know, whereas now it, the iPad's the babysitter. Um, so I think that is one direction that I see it taking where people are almost like, oh, it's bad for you, you know, we should limit it. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I understand that perspective, but I see it and maybe almost fear it is I see the other direction mm-hmm. where it's like the metaverse, metaverse direction, direction. Yeah. where it's like instead of, you know, uh, 
weaning off of it, let's make it better than reality. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's uh, what's one fear I definitely have, especially after I saw the Facebook completely oh, yeah. rebranding to yeah. that. Yeah, it, it, that's super scary to think about. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it too, though, right? Mm. I mean, that's the that's the other thing. <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm so negative, but <laughs> there's so many cool things that you can do, right? I yeah. mean, imagine... Um, right. Imagine like planting like an imaginary tree in a classroom and then and then having people like come in and, and like take care of this tree. That's that's not real, but it but it builds community. And so so again, much like the NFTs, much like social media in general, there's so much potential. Uh, the fear. The thing is, is that it always seems like the fear stuff trumps. Um, uh, but again, and, and th- maybe this is where I need to move to. Right. It's, it's bad for us, but there's also a lot of good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we make relationships we make connections on there and, and i think the metaverse is one of those as well right there's so much that we can uh, that you can do but we have to approach it with ethics if we don't yeah. approach this concept with ethics then the bad guys can take over and yeah. they can they can manipulate and they can find a way to make money with this um and again i, I need to watch this and my students have been talking about so he must have released a video and i i, I apologize i haven't watched Oh, you um, haven't watched details. it yet. But I, but I mean, I've I've been following it. I've been knowing mm-hmm. it long enough. I know Minecraft did some mm-hmm. some stuff. Of course, the Pokemon games, right? And yeah. so, so we're already starting to get there. Um, and I know Google Glasses. I don't, do you guys mm-hmm. remember that? You guys probably in yeah. We have the elementary Google, school. The Google right? Glass, one of the versions of Google Glass in the computer science department. Oh, do we so really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I thought I was like, wow, this is a an interesting idea, right? <laughs> that we can kind of go around yeah, the and, augmented reality aspect. Yeah. So, so I think there's. I, I, I don't know. I think there's some good stuff to it, um, but nothing is perfectly good, right? That's the mm. if we want to get too philosophical, anything that's good <laughs> for us is also bad for yeah. us in some way. So, um, so I'm not afraid of it, um, and I'm excited to see the techno. I think it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, one other question I wanted to ask you, and this is more about communication specifically. But um, what was it like seeing the transition between, like, the spread of information pre-social media to mm-hmm. after in terms of just, like, the velocity of spread and the anim- anonymity mm-hmm. uh, of who's able to produce that kind of information? Because thinking back, like, in the 60s, 70s, there's, you know, 10 cable channels. Mm-hmm. Channel 2, you got a third of the nation watching it. Now you have shows like Joe Rogan who get 10 times the numbers that CNN have mm-hmm. or a viral tweet getting 10 times engagement from the local news. So what, what, what do you think that creates in terms of uh, people trusting sources, people being able to spread misinformation and mm-hmm. the implications of that? Yeah, um, I'm sorry. See, I don't think I can hear you. I think you're struggling. I'm I'm, I, I appreciate you sticking in. it out. But, um, no, the... So you're talking about the spread of news and how people like yeah and the like, access I mean, to information. I mean, anyone in the world, though. anyone in the world can access pretty much all the information yeah. in the world. So yeah, what is it, Louis? It's a game changer. I think Louis C.K. Maybe not a perfect person to cite, <laughs> but I, I think he says like the 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 coolest technology is wasted on the worst generation, right? Because <laughs> we have access to all this stuff, mm-hmm. and yet, boy, I'll tell you, when I say hey, research and go find support. People are like, what? Like, I feel like the, the desire to go and find information, like if it's not just sort of given to us, like spread. And so we have access to so much information. We've gotten kind of lazy, right? Mm-hmm. We just sort of trust if it comes across Twitter that it's true, yeah. right? And that this is happening. So that's the thing that I worry about the most. I feel like when I first started teaching, I never had to explain finding sources, right? Yeah. You just go out and you find a source. And then you cite it. Yeah, and, and if it's published, it. it's probably reputable, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and we had tests, right? Like, here's mm-hmm. how you know if it's a good source. And uh, and now that idea, like, they, I feel like students are struggling with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think we have so much access to stuff. And it's free, by the mm-hmm. way. That's the other thing. that they, You know, cable was really expensive. When I was a kid, I didn't have cable. I had, I had two channels. Yeah. <laughs> my, fam- my family didn't make enough money to be able to afford cable until I was a little bit older. Uh, and so we were really limited. Uh, and that, so I think maybe we valued it a little bit more. So when mm-hmm. I got to watch the news, I got excited. When I, <laughs> uh, I remember getting excited to watch uh, The Late Night with uh, Johnny Carson was when I was mm-hmm. a kid, right? But then Jay Leno, right? We got excited to be able to watch those things. And now, like, if we get a chance, <laughs> we'll, we'll watch it. Um, so that's where I think I'm, I'm worried. And then the speed of it, that's the big thing. In crisis, we talk about it's... Usually, you know, in the past, for, when the Titanic went down, right? I mean, we didn't know about 
sometimes the information would come out weeks or months later. That would never happen now, right? The Titanic yeah. happens, we're bored with it within a week, right? They're like, <laughs> yeah. all right, moving on to the next tragedy. Um, and so that, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, we, so we have more information. We can find out more information about it. But our attention span is just done. Yeah. Like, we don't care. Like, it's, it's all right. too much. In fact, right, this biggest story probably in social media is that young lady's name. And I, I again, yeah, I forgot. And, and you, you just mentioned it, and I forgot it already. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, moving on, right? Yeah. And so um, how long will it be before we, we forget the thing that happened in Houston, right? How yeah. long do, before we... We move that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I, the attention span, like we just have so much easily dis- distracted. And that's yeah, it definitely does. Um, and then also going back to the whole uh, communication on in crisis that mm-hmm. you said you're going to teach a class on, and it's one of the topics you're most interested. Um, a recent crisis that we had that I think definitely had a major communication issue was the whole COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. A lot of misinformation yeah. and everything. So I think what is, from your perspective, what could have been done better from the point of view of public officials, maybe from the point of view of scientists, um, from the White House, and even public figures in terms of communicating the COVID pandemic? Because I think a lot of people dropped the ball in a lot of places, and it's really led to a lot of unnecessary lost lives. Yeah, and and one of the things I always teach, I said crisis, like, it's, I'm very careful not to judge people on their, during the crisis. Mm You're emotional. You're t- a lot of people are tired. Right? They, they they didn't know what to expect. Remember, there was a shooting in Las Vegas. Um, someone shot from like a the rooftop. A wind, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how would how would the hotels think that? Like, you have to have a dark mind to think yeah. that someone's going to break out the window yeah. and shoot yeah. a, at a concert. Like, who would think that? If you thought that, I would worry about you, not the mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Right. But now we have to worry about that. And so I think the same with COVID. I think. Medical professionals like, well, why would they not trust me? Like, mm-hmm. I've been, like, I'm credentialed. Yeah. I've done all these things. Um, I don't think they were prepared for the you know, intellectualism, yeah, the um, the negative, you know, the way that we can just here's a science experiment, right? Here's yeah. here's what we know, and they're like, nope, that's not true. I, I don't know how you prepare for so, that. So, um, so would you? So you're kind of blaming almost the general public for not trusting them i'm, I'm not uh, blaming them uh, but i'm saying that was sort that's where the i think th- there was sort of a trend right yeah. and, and again the social media picks up on those mm-hmm. it's like all right well here's some negative stuff and here's here's where it's interesting though a lot of times so let's say and I'm, I'm gonna use something different than covid mm-hmm. right let's say um i i like the toilet paper roll, yeah, right. You guys like random stuff, right? So how do you put the toilet paper on the roll, mm-hmm. right? The obviously right answer is it goes over the top, <laughs> okay. right? There's like two people out of three hundred that yeah. like to do it the other I way. I do it under. You do it under, right? <laughs> yeah. So you're the one out of two hundred. But yeah. guess what? Your voice sounds exactly the same as my voice, even though my voice represents the the masses, right? Mm-hmm. And in social media, right, if you're vo- both of our voices are out there and we see them, we think that it's like a 50-50 discussion. And so people yeah. are taking sides, right? Do I take your side, take my side? Even though my side, you, most people would agree with me, right? There's that perception that, okay, well, this is, this is a side that I can take either or on. Um, and again, I don't know that we were prepared to make that argument. Now, if I could go back, I would say, yep, we have to make this argument. We have to explain how viruses work. We have to explain how vaccines work. Uh, we need to do all of that stuff before we try to launch the oh, vaccine. Yeah. So beforehand, so like hindsight, you think there should have been more transparency is what you're saying. Sure. But yeah. at the time, you probably would have approached it the same way, not right. foreseeing the issues if, that came with yeah, it. If I would have went, if I could go back in time yeah. and go to the, um, to the medical professions yeah. and say, look, we have to convince people are going to question the value of vaccines. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to look at me like I'm stupid. <laughs> they're yeah. going to say, no, like people understand vaccines. I would say, no. Um, um, or even masks. For, or masks. Yeah. yeah. And you know, um, and so I think that's, that's the issue. The other thing is I, I think sometimes you ever meet someone and they seem kind of wishy washy on something mm-hmm. and therefore you're like, well, I don't trust their opinion. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of what happened. Right. Yeah. And it's, and yeah. that's the problem, right? We are like, well, I think this is it. I'm like, well, I don't trust you now. Yeah. I'm like, well, and, and again, the logic part of me says, I want that person, right? I want someone mm. that's thinking critically. That's can yeah, able I to be both sides. Yeah. Right. That confident cock, you know, that cocky attitude <laughs> to me is like, right. You're way too confident about this. I'm worried about this. 
Um, but that's not, again, that's not how humans work. We yeah. trust the people that speak confidently. And so I think that was another issue that. Well, I guess that today's episode's model will be hindsight's 2020. Sure. <laughs> always. Yeah. So well, you, what, just one. So you think, um, cause I'm just trying to get at like, what do you think they could have done better? So like sure. now that like, you know, hindsight's 2020, mm-hmm. do you think there was a lack of almost trust in the public because I think one of the things I've heard at least from a lot of people that are hesitant to believe you know the that Mm -hmm. that aspect of it is almost that there was there wasn't a lot of transparency there was almost an air of arrogance as Mm -hmm. in like I know better you should trust me I'm the scientist yeah and and so asking as a you know your communications (laughs) professor it's like are there tactics do you think that that they may kind of messed up on maybe right. and what they could have done differently. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely, I mean, you hit it on the <laughs> yeah. head, right? This, uh, I'm, and sometimes I run into that, right? Like yeah. I'm a professor and a student challenges me. I'm like, wait. Yeah, they're just pushing like, the credibility. How dare you do that to me? <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I have a PhD. You have a high school graduate, right? Yeah. You're like, um, and I do think, I, I'm hesitant to call it arrogance. I don't know that, I think it's just sort of like, I've, I've been following the rules. Mm-hmm. They changed the rules on them. Yeah. Right? And they're like, well, wait a minute. I thought that I was the expert. Why is this dude on Twitter that you know, that's Getting really it. good at Photoshop or really good at, at video editing? Why is he more credible than me now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I don't think that they were were ready for that. Okay. Um, and so I don't know. I, I think uh, again, 2020. How do we go back and, and convince people that that would be an issue? Um, I, I think is really difficult. That's why I'm not. I'm cautious to judge. I hate to use the word blame. Yeah. Um, I talk. That's my first day. I said when we talk <laughs> about crisis, we're not blaming anyone. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes things happen, mm-hmm. and and what can we do to fix it? How do we do it better? Um, now that's a good question. <laughs> How do we do it better? Because I don't think we've really hit the. I don't think we've figured it out yet. I still think yeah. we're struggling. I mean, I think in our generation, that credibility only speaks so much. I mean, I know mm-hmm. my parents and stuff like they see a scientist or see someone, you know, a credential mm-hmm. say something, and immediately they're like, "Oh, okay, well, they're they're a scientist." And I'm like, "Well, what they're saying there, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that." Mm-hmm. And I think credibility to our generation only speaks so much in terms of volume. Because we can do our, so much research on our own, and with a simple, you know, search on Google, we can find mm-hmm. out as much as we want to know. So I think mm-hmm. the possibilities are really endless for like a generation like ours to be able to question. And I think we have to find other ways than credibility to show mm-hmm. our generation that, you know, what what's being said is like needs to be taken uh, more serious. Mm-hmm. I guess you know. Yeah. If I get it, and I know we're. Close yeah, to we're the end. Close, yeah. So, so I, I, I'd oh, like we would to love end to have you this. on again. Sure. So, you know. But I think, I, I think that the key term is not credibility anymore. It's authenticity. Yeah. yeah. People, Empathy. I want to trust. I want to trust that this is really you. I want to trust that that what you're saying is is genuine and authentic. Yeah. I don't care what your credentials are. I don't care what this. Like, I want to feel, and that's why some folks shined during the COVID. That's yeah. why some people you look at and you're like, that person gets it. Um, not because they were credentialed, not because they have a PhD, but because they just came across your empathy, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. um, sort of genuineness, right? There's all kinds of other factors. Um, and that's my next project, by the way. I'm looking <laughs> at how do we uh, how do we assess authenticity online? So. Yeah, and that's where I think I would personally say that they went wrong in terms of the mm-hmm. administration and just leadership. Uh, I think they were really working with the old model of things, mm-hmm. the pre-internet model. We hadn't yep. had a ma- massive crisis in that sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back in the day, like we said, there's only three news stations. There's only two big newspapers, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. If you get these three people to all say the same message, there's no one else's voice being heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now in the new model, in the new age, where everyone's voice, like you said, is being heard equally, there has to be a deeper layer. You can't take that authoritarian like perspective where like this is the word, this is what this is what's going to be. Mm-hmm. I think now it, it needs to be approached with more empathy and more transparency and more understanding because I think people are very much turned off by that whole I'm I'm, I'm a scientist, yeah. I'm right, you have to listen to me kind mm-hmm. of uh, Trust me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you Dr. Murphy for coming on today. Um, we would love to have you on again sometime. And Nico, thank yeah, you for really being enjoyed great that. Host. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no thank problem. you for being a great co-host today. And we'll see you next week, Bearcats. Have a good week.